today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God will always answer your prayers the same exact way you would if you knew what He knew. So sometimes we pray and God's like, no, you, you don't want me to answer that prayer. You know, I'm thankful that God has answered prayer, but perhaps more importantly, I'm even more thankful for the prayers that God did not answer. Because had He answered that prayer the way I prayed it, it would have been disastrous. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barak of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. Today, Pastor J.D. talks to us about how we're called to pray, even in the midst of fear. A lot of times we get frustrated when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want Him to. But Pastor J.D. reminds us that you don't know all that He knows. He answers your prayers, even though it might not be what you'd had in mind. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 4 as he continues his message, Peaceful in it or fearful of it. Those that long for His return are those that have a crown of righteousness waiting in glory. So it's kind of bittersweet. Because, yeah, we want the Lord to return. And certainly as we see what's happening in the world right now, in particular, we know that the Lord's return draws ever so nigh, that His return is even at the door, and that the rapture of the church is imminent and can happen at any time, especially as we see the direction that everything is going, this global crisis being now managed by global governance. And this is exactly the perfect storm as it relates to what we're told in the book of Revelation, as it relates to the seven-year tribulation. And we know that the rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. And if we see things that are beginning to come to pass now, that ultimately find their fulfillment in the seven-year tribulation, and the rapture comes before, then how close are we? So again, it's bittersweet. And it's bittersweet because we have loved ones who don't know the Lord, or they're away from the Lord, and they're going to be left behind were the Lord to return. And that is a real fear. That is a real fear. That is very real. And I just want to encourage you first, and I want you to think this through with me. This is something the Lord ministered to me over the years that has really settled my heart and helped me immeasurably. And it's first, thank God that He loves them more than you ever could. That son, that daughter, that grandson, that granddaughter, that loved one, that family member that you've been praying for. And it seems like the more you pray for them, the farther away they get. Thank God that He wants them in heaven more than even you do. 
That is the fact of the matter. Why is it important to first thank? Because the Apostle Paul gives us this three-pronged approach. I I don't like to use the word formula, but in in a way it sort of is. It's a a three-pronged or a three-step formula. First, thank God for everything. And you you have so much that you can thank God for. Start there. Thank God for that son, that daughter. They're a gift from the Lord. I know sometimes it doesn't seem like it, but they're a gift and the Lord loves them more than you ever could. And the Lord wants them to be right with Him more than even you do. Thank God for that. That's huge. Then ask Him very specifically, Lord, I'm not the vessel in their life. They're not receiving from me. So Lord, send somebody into their life that they will receive from. Maybe a friend that will share the gospel with them. Lead them to a a YouTube video, something online. Lead them to an online service where they hear the gospel. Lord, you can do that. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And by the way, when we ask anything according to His will, we have this promise, this assurance that He will give us that which we ask for. One more thing I want to encourage you with, and it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Actually, and I know, I I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but Romans 8 is so great. It is the best chapter, bar none, for anybody that is really struggling or even doubting the love that God has for them. Maybe they're being crushed under the weight of Satan's condemnation. I mean, verse 1 in Romans 8 starts right out of the chute with this grand and glorious promise that there is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt, no more for those that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.28, very well known. For we know, not hope, think, wish, (laughs) we know that God works all things together for the good to them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And Romans 8.29 tells us what that purpose is, and the purpose is to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And through that trial, through that difficulty, through that that pain and suffering, God is making you more like Jesus. You will come out on the other side of it, and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14 was really a life verse and promise for me. David writes that he had almost given up. He had lost hope. And then he says that were it not for knowing that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would have lost heart. I would have been completely given over to despair. And he talks to himself in that verse. It's so precious, I guess, for lack of a better word, if I can say it like that. He says to himself, you just wait, (laughs) be strong, wait, you'll see, just be strong and and take heart. Don't be discouraged and, and don't be given over to fear. So in Romans 8 verse 32, I mean, to me, 
uh, how do I say this? It's, I mean, it really should close the file once and for all on every doubt, every fear, every worry, every anxiety. When you petition the throne and you cry out to the Lord, you can know that He will hearken under the voice of your cry. He will hear from on high. And here's why. Verse 32, Romans 8. Listen to this. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, this is rhetorical, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? You know what Paul's saying here? It's almost, I hate to say it this way, but it's a, almost a, a sanctified sarcasm. Like, are you kidding me? Really? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to die for you. He would not withhold His Son for you. And if, if He was willing to do that, is there anything that He would not be willing to do? I mean, won't He along with that, because of that, in light of that, graciously give you all things? What's He going to withhold from you? James writes, when we ask for wisdom, God is going to give you wisdom, and He's not going to withhold. He's not going to be stingy. Imagine, God gave us His only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ, to die for us in payment in full for all of our sins. And what? God is going to say, okay, that's it. You're on your own now. I gave you my Son. Now it's up to you. No. If He's willing to give us His Son, what would He be unwilling to give us? That's what Paul is saying. So if we ask anything, and if it's good, God will give it to us. Now, if it's not, He will withhold it. And believe you me, you should be very thankful that He doesn't give you that which you ask for, because God knows the end from the beginning. I've heard it said this way, and I love this, and this has helped me so much in my prayer life over the years. But it's basically, it goes like this. God will always answer your prayers the same exact way you would if you knew what He knew. So sometimes we pray and God's like, no, you, you don't want me to answer that prayer. You know, I'm thankful that God has answered prayer, but perhaps more importantly, I'm even more thankful for the prayers that God did not answer. Because had he answered that prayer the way I prayed it, it would have been disastrous. So God has this built-in protection according to His will. He will give you that which you ask for. So Paul is saying in Philippians, you thank God for everything, you pray about anything, and you'll worry about nothing. Now that's only half of it, if I can say it like that, is that Paul Harvey, the rest of the story, there's the rest of the story here, because he goes on in verse 8 to basically say what the proverb says, as a man thinketh in his heart, 
so is He. It's so important to understand that you have to protect the mind. The mind is the battleground, and Satan has access to the mind, and he'll put fearful thoughts of anxiety and worry in your mind. And that's why Paul basically says that we have to be strict disciplinarians with our minds, and we have to take every worry, every anxiety, every fear captive to that which is true to God's Word. Take every thought captive. Don't just let every worrisome thought, every fearful thought, what if, what if, what if. Don't just let it in and set the table and have it over for dinner. No, you catch it and you examine it and you vet it. Is this true? Paul says, if it's not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Don't allow it to plant in the soil of your heart and mind, lest it germinate and sprout and grow. And here's what happens, and I can, I can speak from personal experience. How many times, I'm just being very open with you, how many times has that fearful thought, that what if, that comes into my mind. And I start nursing it, and feeding it, and thinking about it. And and the more I do, the bigger it gets. And the bigger it gets, the smaller God gets. And conversely, the more I think on these things, because again, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he then the bigger my God gets, and the smaller those worries get. Now, I do need to warn you, easier said than done. That is true. It is so much easier said than done. That's the thing about discipline your mind. You know, we discipline our children. It's hard. You have to be disciplined. You have to discipline your mind. And by the way, the word discipline comes from the word disciple. You have to train your mind. You you have to discipline your mind. And you have to be very strict with your thought life. And it's not going to be easy, especially initially, but eventually it brings the peace of God from the God of peace. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 27. This is really interesting. I want to draw your attention to what Jesus says. And the wording in which he says it gives us a clue as to how it is that we're able to have in reality, practically, this peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The inference being that the world has peace to offer, but that's a very unstable peace. And Jesus is saying, the peace that I give is nothing like the peace of the world. And then He says this, and I want you to notice how He says what He says. He says, let, key word, let not your heart be troubled, neither let, key word again, it be afraid. 
In other words, the onus is on us. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart become full of fear. In other words, we can let our hearts be troubled. Just like we can let our children, when we don't discipline them, let them do things wrong. The same thing is true with us. We can let our own hearts go down that wrong path and be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Matthew 6. This is, well, to me, probably one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in all the Bible concerning worry and fear. I suppose you could see it and say it like this. Paul in Philippians is telling us how Jesus here in Matthew's gospel is telling us why. In other words, Paul says, here's how not to worry, how not to be afraid. Jesus here is going to tell us why you have nothing to worry about why you should never fear anything. Here's why. Listen to this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And I love this imagery. It's um, almost a snapshot into the sense of humor on the part of the Savior, because they're pointing to the birds that were flying there on the beautiful hillside, there with the Sea of Galilee before them. And he, and he points them to these birds and says, look at these birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Boy, wouldn't that be freaky? See a bunch of birds getting a bunch of worms and stuffing them into these bird barns. (laughs) Again, it's kind of a silly, humorous way to illustrate it. But the point he's making is they don't do that. They don't have to do that. Why? Because your heavenly Father feeds them. And here's why you should never worry about anything. Are you not of more value than they? I would surely hope so. I would surely hope that I am of more value than a bird. In other words, if God is going to provide every need for every bird, and I'm more valuable than that bird, how much more is He going to provide for me? Verse 27. This is humorous. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, if you're short, I know that's not politically correct, how can you add a cubit to your height? How can you add a hair to your head as much as I would love to? (laughs) In other words, worrying accomplishes absolutely nothing. It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. And that's like us, isn't it? Like when we worry, when we're afraid, we go back and forth. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It accomplishes nothing. In fact, 
dare I say, and I want to get into the physiology of this, but it's true. You can research on your own, see if this be true. But when you're fearful and anxious and worried and stressed, you actually deplete your body's immune system to fight off disease. How about that? (laughs) The, The very thing that you're afraid of, this is why when we were in Philippians, this is a while back now, I think it was last year sometime maybe, I did a teaching and I titled it, Kill Worry Before Worry Kills You. And that's not hyperbole, it is literally. Worry and fear can kill you physically because of the damage it does to the immune system and its inability then to subsequently fight off diseases. So it accomplishes nothing. Now verse 28, he's going to go from eating and drinking to what you're going to wear. What am I going to (laughs) wear? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. I'm sorry again, I'm, I'm chuckling, but to me this is humorous. I mean, I could just picture Jesus pointing to these flowers there on the hillside, presumably in the spring when they're in bloom and they're blossoming and they're just beautiful and fragrant and colorful. It's like Jesus is saying, when was the last time you looked at one of these flowers and they're just spinning about going, oh, oh, what am I going to wear? This isn't my color. I wore this last week. And then he says, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then, very interesting, Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Again, I never imagined the Savior saying that with a a snarky tone. Oh, you of little faith. I I never imagined the Savior. I I imagine it being said with such a compassionate tone, such an empathetic, even sympathetic tone, along the lines of this. Why is your faith so little when your God is so big? Yeah, but pastor, with all due respect, this coronavirus thing, this is really big. This is really bad. Okay. Is it bigger than God? Thanks for joining Pastor JD today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.